I'm Tani Nandini, and this is episode four of the Mala podcast, where extraordinary women retell their stories of survival and reimagine them as sense. I'm a novelist and perfumer living in Brooklyn, New York, and my independent beauty and fragrance house, High Wildflower, sponsors this podcast. We're here to unravel the notion of a bad woman, the Spanish definition of Mala, also known as a garland of flowers in Sanskrit, and in this podcast, memory as living art. All the perfumes and limited edition tote bag are available at malapodcast.com. The season centers on a house of formerly incarcerated women in Flushing, Queens. Our guest today is Mary Bennett, a Marymount College graduate and counselor. Mary's warm and inviting. She hugs me right away, and we sit on her bed for our chat. Her room smells like fresh laundry and traces of powdery floral notes, or as Mary calls them, her old school perfumes. On her altar, she's arranged photographs of her kin, and a vase of artificial roses nestled among plants. Within minutes, we're transported into the most emotional memory of her childhood, the unexpected death of her father. This tragic event led her to move from Charleston, South Carolina, to New York City, to live with her father's sister, who she came to know as her mother. Her move echoes the migration of her aunt, a former sharecropper, and the great migration of millions of Black Americans from the South to cities in the East, Midwest, and West. Mary's crime is nonviolent but her path to incarceration reveals multiple traumas rooted in America's violent, racist history. We discuss her struggles with poverty, drug addiction, being forced to grow up too fast, physical abuse, and self-esteem. Mary has a deep empathy for her mother's experience as a sharecropper, how the hardship she survived made it hard for her to show her daughter's love. I think of the women in my family, in my larger Bangladeshi Muslim community, how generations of women inherit their family's traumas through war, child marriage, unspoken assault, and abusive relationships. I think about how we hold on to these traumas. We stoke the secret fire of shame to protect our family and to protect ourselves. Silence about what harms us is often a means of survival for people of color. It's necessary to be strong and prepare children for a world that will actively try to kill them each and every day. So while my conversation with Mary is intimate and personal, it's also a discourse on the systemic, institutional, and political. For Mary's perfume, I want to evoke the small moments of haven she sought in prison, her newfound lease on life and self-love. Mary describes finding refuge from the dead air of prison in the scent of pine sol, so I recreate a refined version with natural oils. Fresh terpene notes of silver fir needle, lemon, and balsam pine compose the top, which fade into the heart of the perfume, a duo of Moroccan rose and geranium, the open bloom of Mary's heart and the love of plants that her mother instilled in her. Her perfume dries down to vanilla and benzoin essence, notes that feel like a sensuous hug. Vanilla has been made synonymous quite unfairly, with the bland or the white or fluffy, but in its absolute form, it's rich and viscous and brown, the same hue as black coffee. Benzoin is extracted by slashing the tree's bark to release its sap, and these are known as its tears. My name is Mary Bennett. Uh, I was born December 30th, 1957. Originally, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I never knew my mother, therefore my father raised me. My aunt brought me to New York at the age of seven. And so losing my father, never knowing my mother, the only parents that I did know was my father's baby sister, whom I named after Mary Ann, but I just don't have any Ann. And she has been my parents since the age of seven. 
So I consider her my mother. I remember living in Little Smith Street in Charleston. I, I played in the yard because it was a big spacious yard. Basically, you know, for me at that point in my life, you know, having to be just me, myself, and I, you know, in that environment, then my father's is working. I'm there until he comes home. And so that was one of my things. I played. I played with the kids around the neighborhood. And that was that until I lost my father. Did you have a good relationship with your father? Yeah. Yeah. And you lost yeah. him to... My father died of cancer. We had one room this particular day. I used to sleep in like in the... There's a couch. And I made it like a little castle where I covered myself. But this particular day, I went into my father's room and I was in the bed with him. Uh, it was nothing out of the ordinary, just a young child then. And I laid in my father's arm, but I was awoke by a friend of his saying to Tom, it's time to go to work. However, my father died December 7th. Every time, that time of the year, that month, I would just like maybe light a candle or I would just go like, because I'm thinking of him. You know what I'm saying? And it's sad to say where the kitchen, the way the house was built there, I remember him getting into the car and I'll never forget this. It's like I saw him in the window and he was waiting. I'll never forget that. Yeah. I said, oh my God. And I looked up and I saw it and then I looked again and I didn't see it. It took me a long time to really get that. It took me a lot of years to come to terms with that. Uh, not understanding it, not knowing it, not knowing how to deal. I believe I was in my 30s that I actually came to terms with like, okay, my father's gone. I never knew my mother. Uh, so here I am. Oh, I turned eight here in New York. Mm -hmm. So my aunt, which is his sister, it was 10 of them, Mary, her and her husband, Clarence, they came down, they got me, and they took me back to New York. And you were in which part of New York? I was in Manhattan, Manhattan, 130 West on 43rd Street. I'll never forget it. My first place of residencies in the Big Apple. We're coming to New York, and this, like, what, I'm 60. And this is like, oh my God, 40, 50 years now. Like, I was so naive to a lot of things there. I saw people walking around with guns. I saw people, you know me up, all sorts of things that I never saw down south. So this was a new world to me. This was a new horizon. This was the beginning of living, you know, coming into another world from the south to New York, the fast life, all these things. But the south is the grass. It's the grass. It's the air. The air. Here you, you have the, the, the cars, the smoke. You have, it's cleaner. It's clean. What you see in New York would never see on South. Mm -hmm. You know, the friendliness. It's so contagious. It's crazy. I still say yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Because that's custom. And you're supposed to say that. You walk into a room. Good morning. How are you? Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I still say that. I still say that because I was brought up in that era. My, my Mary is very strict with me. She was, you know, I go to school, come home. Nine o'clock was the curfew. Up, upstairs. And by that time, her daughter had had two girls. Mm -hmm. And so I believe I came a parent too soon. I'm 12, 13. I'm going to school. But I'm watching kids. 
You know, I grew up really fast. Did I experience, did I go through the normal adolescence? Did I go through that period? Or was I a parent? I was a parent. My aunt, she was going through a divorce with Clarence. He cheated on her. He he did all these things with her, you know? And so that's where I had to step in. I had to take control. I had to be the overseer. I had to be the the one to cook, clean. I had to do all those things for my two nieces, you know? So when did you feel like your life took a turn in another direction? 18, 16, teenager. I'm staying out with my friends. I want to be with my friends. I want friends. The people that I know that I go to school with, I hear them talk and they stay out, they do these things. Why can't I do it? I wanted to be a part of that world. I wanted to stay out. I wanted to see what they saw. And you felt your aunt's strictness kept you from that? Kept me there. Coming home at 11, 12, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to her because she's in charge. I'm under her roof. And I have to follow rules and regulations. So, you know, I go through the system. I wind up in Spoppet, a group home. I go back to court and the judge says to me, do I have to learn my lesson? I'm saying, no, I wouldn't stay in the group home. You were happier there. I'm happier there. It filled the void. It filled the void. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm enjoying myself. So, no. So, unfortunately, I'm underage. I have to go back. So, I go back. 17... I turned 18 at December. So where we, we live at in Manhattan is drug infested. You got people selling drugs, people that lived in the building, they're selling drugs. This is in the late 70s? Late 70s. I get pregnant. Who's the baby's father? Robert sold drugs. Okay, so we go to the hotel. I said to him, I'm gonna get pregnant. I knew I was gonna get pregnant. And mind you, in that era, I'm young. I, I want, you know, I like these nice things. Okay? And so I go with him. We do what we do. I get pregnant. Was that your first sexual experience? First sexual experience. Of course, mine is devastated. She says to me, you're going to have this baby. You're going to know what the responsibility is. I should know. I, I raised two nieces. I'm, I'm helping out with two nieces. But on the other hand, you're going to be accountable. You're going to be responsible. You're going to do all those things a woman needs to do. So with this, with this child, I'm going to learn how to do all these things. Fine. So I have LaShawn, a natural birth. So I'm 18 years old now with a child, no job, public assistance. I'm going with this guy. It's unacceptable. Without marriage? Or? Without marriage. It's unacceptable. They tell you how unacceptable that was. You see this? Yeah, she felt like you were disrespecting her. Yeah. And so I had this whole hand within a cast. And you still have that scar? I still have that scar. At age 60. Wow. Yeah. So that was quite a fight. I was just protecting my face. So she was yeah. beating you yeah. and you were protecting yourself. I was just protecting my face because I didn't want, you know, my face. So how did you feel after that I felt, major attack on you? I felt no love. I felt no respect. However, after years... Of knowing where my mother came from. Love was hard for her. Why? Being a sharecropper and the way that she was brought up. I don't think much love was given to her. With my sister, when my sister first got pregnant, my mother took a hanger, wanted to take the baby out. And I just say to her, you cannot look down on me because you started this journey. I came behind you. And with that said, we sat there and we talked and we, we made amends. You know, we came to terms with our mother. That's who she was. She, uh, love was not a thing for her. But she, she didn't know how to love. 
She didn't experience it. She don't know. So the way that she brought, and she was a good mother, don't get me wrong, but she did the best she knew how to do. She taught me that. Plants can tell you if you're happy, if you're sad. The first plant that I brought her, she said, every time I look at that plant, I know what's going on with you. So let me ask you, when you got caught up in this relationship mm -hmm. and fighting more with your mother mm -hmm. and also having a daughter, mm -hmm. when did you realize that you were kind of losing control of your own life? I started leaving my door. I started to stay out more. I started distancing myself more. And at that point, I knew that I was going down the wrong road. How old were you at that time? I was 19, going on 20. And Tony was like two, mm -hmm. two, three. You know, I was in and out, in and out, in and out. Did she ever get hurt while you were gone? No. I knew that she was safe. As years progressed, my daughter would go through the same thing that I went through. Did you realize that at the time? She told me. Did you feel guilty about that? I felt guilty in many aspects because I wasn't even supposed to go through that. I was supposed to protect you. I was supposed to, I was supposed to protect you. And I didn't. Were you using drugs at the time? I was using drugs, yeah. What kind of drugs? To medicate myself because I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to think about that part. You were depressed? Yeah. What kind of drugs were you using? I was using, I started with reefers. I still say reefers. I'm in the smoking now. So. <laughs> Hot is, <laughs> that's what they say, totally right? Totally fine. Yeah. Well, the state of New York does not agree with that statement. But, but some, yeah. many states yeah, do. Many states do. <laughs> so you know? let's just think about those. All right. And then I went into heavy substance of heroin. And that was it for me. I felt numb. I felt released. Yeah. Because with that substance, it, it won't allow you to think. But of course, when you come up out of it, you're still there. But for that moment, it takes you from that. You're euphoric. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Did her father introduce you to that? Uh, I wouldn't say Robert did it, no. It was just like being out. Just being out, yeah. you know? And then one thing led to another, the penitentiary. So what was the path to the penitentiary for you? A path of oppression. A path of... I don't want nobody. Were you in the penitentiary in New York? Like Yes. The humiliating part of it is asking someone for sanitary. And toilet paper. There's no scent there. There's no perfume there. There's pine. I should take the pine. Just to bring an odor. You know, the stillness. I used to crave for pine soil. To clean. Just like it smelled. The freshness. There's never none of that. When I did get it, I tried to salvage it. Because I wanted to keep that odor. I didn't want that still odor. I didn't want to stench. I didn't want none of that around me. I had to have that because I didn't want to smell what I was smelling. I got up this morning and I sprayed something. I sprayed my snuggles because I wanted to be cuddled. You're very comforted by the scent of laundry and yeah. fresh I wanted to scent. Right. Does that remind you of your yeah. family and your home? The cleanliness, it gives me a sense of purity. What were some of the perfumes you wore? I'm from the old school. I wore a lot of Elizabeth Taylor. Avon, fragrance. Mm -hmm. You know, but you can't put too much on because it's very, very loud. Yeah, you know it's very strong. Lotions. I like good lotions. I like um, Victoria's Secret. I like when I come out the bathroom, when I go to the shower. I put How old were you when you went to 
crackers. I turned 51 that year. My mother was 91. I said to my mother, because she plays a huge part, I said to her, don't worry about me. I said, I'm going to be all right. Don't worry about me. All I need you to do is answer the phone when I call. As years progress, as years progress, she got worse. But I don't want to get into that part. I want to stay on me and my tour and my journey inside. After I got my time, I nearly broke down. I almost lost my mind. Had it not been for the correctional officer that knew me years ago and knew me personally, she saw me and she said to me, put yourself together. She said, everything I know is because of you. You taught me everything I know. I got in trouble because I was with an entourage of people and we were doing, we were fraudulent credit cards. You know what I'm saying? And the way that the arrest went down, it was like, I was the one that was saying, here, take this and go in this bank, take this and go in that bank. Seven and a half to 15. And out of that, I did eight years. Did you ever think you'd get caught? At the time, no. Devastated me. The devastation of where my mother was at in her years. I said, God, I said two things. I said, God, if I could just feel your love, your arms around me, I'll be able to do this. And I said, just hold my mother and don't let her suffer. And when I got to Bedford, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to work. I wanted to get my degree. And I wanted to be someplace where I needed love and I wanted to give love. And with that said, I worked with the babies in Bethany. So as I began to wind down to come back to myself again, the smell, you understand me, the smell of life, the smell of the universe, the smell what was going on around me. I would get little oils and little stuff that I'm not supposed to have. What kind of oils? Like the Muslim oils. Mm -hmm. And you know Muslim oils, they have all oh, like the Calvin Klein, Beyonce, they have Rihanna. They have locks and it's maintenance. And so after I do all of that, I'll put on maybe some mm, Beyonce. Because, you know, when she's on stage, she's Tasha. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. She goes she goes somewhere else. Tasha Fierce. Sasha Fierce. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm saying Tasha. Sasha Fierce. So she's totally somebody else. And so, you know me, this old lady, I put someone. I'm like, okay. I'm in my cue back and crazy. But anyway, that's really when I really got in tune with the different oils and the scents and the fragrance and all of that. I began to bloom again. But as I began to bloom, I lost my mother. In 2013, I lost my mother. How do you think about that now that she's passed and she's somewhere else and you think about the legacy of your family? And I look up and I say, going to work, girl. You know, like I've been home like a year now, like I'm just doing it. Like, I, you know, like I, I'm pleased with myself. Everything that I'm doing now counts. It goes, it goes towards something. It goes toward a goal I want to achieve. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not stopping it. I'm not stopping until I get to that peak. Do you feel like the temptation has gone for you? The temptation is going to always be this me picking it up. It's a saying, if you don't pick it up, if you don't open that monster up, it won't happen. You're at a point in your life where you're exhausted. You've exonerated all avenues. I was my mother. My, my granddaughter's in the mental institution. Like that is the bottom for me. Was it supposed to happen to me? I'm going to see her tomorrow, and I'm preparing myself mentally. I talk to her every day. I'm preparing myself mentally. I just want to see her. I need her to see me and know, give her the surety that I'm here. I'm going to be here. I don't need you to worry. Don't you worry about nothing because we're going to get through this. What has she been diagnosed with? Uh, my niece tells me schizophrenia, bipolar. She takes five different pills. She's medicated twice a day. So you have to take that and just 
move on. You can't reverse back. What happened? What took you to that point? We know what took you to that point. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at now in my life now. I'm home. I've done all these workshops. I've done all these trainings because now I have to make a path for my only granddaughter. I'm smelling roses, all that beautiful scent. I don't want nothing but flowers around me. I want beauty around me. I want purity around me. I want life, the beauty of it. I want the, hmm, how can I describe it? I can't, I, it's just so much I want. It's just so much I want, you know. It's just so much I want. And, and with all of that around me, I feel complete this much. Like it's closing, that the completeness that I'm searching for, I'm kidding.